Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Fernando giving you a call from Massachusetts. I had a question for you about stock LVS. Las Vegas Sands. And provides unbiased answers. So this is actually now a completely Asian play, and its casino operations generate 80% of sales. So this is kind of a play on the economic growth of Southeast Asia. Invest Talk, over 32 million downloads and counting. Hi, this is Vitaly calling from Atlanta. I had a question about selling shares. When selling shares, it looks like I have some fractional shares that will automatically liquidate on settlement date. What happens to them? Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, June 10th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I'm excited to have you this hour, and I'm excited to take your calls and your questions and your feedback of what you're seeing out there in the market. I get a lot of questions and I love your questions about anything money or finance related, but also I love also to hear your experiences. Uh, there was a great caller that had a follow-up, I believe that was on the Monday show, uh, on our main focus point for the show and he had some insight. And, and I love that and hopefully I get some of that more and more from you as well. Uh, but on this show, I'm going to do my best, no matter what we talk about, to bring you something that will help you with your decision-making process on a consistent basis. I don't want to just teach you about one particular stock that somebody calls about. I try to broaden out uh, a lesson of the pros and cons of each type of company, uh, industry, asset class, etc., and so when I'm talking about all this, uh, it's my goal and my job to present it all without bias and just give you the facts as I see them. Using the data, I have a lot of data, a bunch of systems that I can pull up, charts and uh, financials and definitions of what the company does and breakdowns of sales and, and earnings, etc. And I can give those to you, but I'm also giving you my 20 plus years of investment experience as well. So I'm Justin Klein, and I'm encouraging you to contact us with your finance or investment questions. And that means you can interact with me live right now from 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes, 888-99-CHART. So let's grab our first listener question now. Good afternoon. My name is Sean, and I'm a newer listener about the last year, and I just want to say thank you for everything that you guys offer. It's very helpful as a new investor. I'm interested in Levi's, L-E-V-I is a ticker symbol. And it's been falling uh, the last week or so. I've been looking on things like Morningstar and, and the ratings seem to all favor it. And I was wondering if you could analyze that on the show. The uh, forward earnings seem a little high, maybe around 23, 24, and it pays a small dividend. Thank you for your time. All right, looking at Levi Strauss, L-E-V-I, is the symbol. Yields 0.4%, so you're right, small dividend. 
revenues have been in decline because of COVID. Clearly, less on less in-person shopping and more online shopping means uh, less need to uh, n- less buying of Levi products because most of those products are held within uh, a brick-and-mortar store. And now that the economy is reopening, these brick and mortar stores are reopening, their earnings are rebounding. Made only 21 21 cents last year, $1.13 expected this year, $1.39 next year. And it's a $26.60 stock. So you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 times forward-looking earnings, which for a company which historically has had pretty low growth. If you look at its revenue growth year over year, quarter to quarter, and you go back to pre-COVID, it was growing in the, on average for the previous three years in the mid to low single digits. So 20 times earnings for a very low growth company uh, says it shouldn't trade at at very high multiples. And and 20 doesn't sound like a lot compared to a lot of other companies in the market today, but I I think it is a lot, to be honest with you. $10 billion market cap, and you have free cash flow in the neighborhood of 200 million, even pre-COVID, you go back to 2017, they did 400 uh, million. So it could get to a level where it's a decent value, but I'm not liking it here. It's already ran dramatically. It's 52-week low is thirty dollars. Uh, sorry, $11.82. Now it's at 26.60, 13% off its 52-week high. And technicals, frankly, are, are breaking down. The MACD is now below the zero line. So that's the first indication that this uptrend is in serious jeopardy and it is near some that uptrend line support but it's threatening to break it so i don't see good enough value i don't like the the technicals that they're not looking great in the near term uh and i i think the reopening trade quote unquote on this name is well behind it so i'm gonna pass on it i'm gonna pass on l-e-v-i Now, my focus point today is centered on this story. The National Retail Federation says it expects the fastest retail growth since 1984. Now, the trade group has interpreted what it sees ahead as a clear sign of a strong and resilient economy. Clearly, they're a little biased, but we're going to dig into that story and what does that mean for the economy in the future. Remember, those the the, the last five months of reports of retail sales, that's behind us. It's more about what's going to be uh, in the future, and we're going to unpack that story. And then if we have time, some new comments from the new SEC chairman, and his name is Gary Gensler, and what that means for the industry trading, uh, or uh, payment for order flow, those type of things will be very interesting to, to hear his comments, and we're gonna go over that as well because that's a big factor in the market today. Now let's check in on that market. And we had the S&P up about 19 points, about half a percent on the S&P. You had the NASDAQ that was even stronger, 108 points higher on the NASDAQ. That was about two thirds of 1%. So solid up day there. And the big news was inflation. The inflation numbers came out today. Headline consumer price index year over year this is 4.99%. Let's just call it 5%. Okay, 5%, which was on the high end of their range of analyst expectations. I think it was between 43 and 5%. And it basically hit that, that top end. And so real rates, if you have the 10-year at one and a half, and 
the inflation is at five. Now, granted, this is going to be transitory to some degree. You're not going to stay at 5% uh, going into the, the back half of the year for very long. It's going to moderate because those base effects are going to get uh, a lot uh, tougher, easier, however you want to look at it. Basically, this is part of, remember, this is the number for April, no, sorry, May, excuse me. And May last year was still in the midst of widespread shutdowns. We didn't really start reopening until June. So once you get back into a, an environment where you are comparing to a reasonably open economy from last June, then the base effects get a, a little more less dramatic and you're going to see a moderation in consumer prices. But still, it's going to be elevated. We've talked about this before. We are in this fiscally dominated economic environment where the government's going to spend. We're already talking about the next infrastructure package that has been whittled down from $4 trillion, probably to something more like a trillion, but the details are still up in the air, and its final passing is still a ways away. But either way, all of this money going to the hands of middle and, middle, middle and lower class people, they tend to spend more. And when you've been cooped up, you're ready to go spend, and jobs are coming back, economies reopening, expect consumer prices to continue to move higher. 3.8% on the core, so stripping out food and energy, that still was relatively elevated. What was interesting as well is the monthly treasury surplus and deficit. Negative $131 billion, which sounds like a lot, but if you compare it to just a couple, couple, couple months ago in March, it was negative $659 billion on the back of the stimulus package. And what's interesting is that what do we do? Remember, April uh, tax deadline was pushed to May. And so a lot of people pay taxes in May. And so this was the lowest treasury deficit for the year. But that was just because taxes were paid in the month of May in a big way. So uh, I expect that to go back down. And we're at a run right now, run rate now about one and a half billion on our deficit. And we're probably gonna hit three to four trillion. Sorry, not that one and a half trillion so far. Uh, this year, probably going to hit three to four trillion by the end of the year. So that's the market today. Interesting statistics on the inflation front and not a ton of market movement, but modest bullish day. Now we're heading into a quick break, but my phone lines are open. I'm taking your finance and investment questions live on 888.99 chart. Ramiro from San Jose, hang on, you'll be next. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Now we're going to go talk about Costco with Ramiro in San Jose. Do you own Costco or are you looking to buy it? Actually, on it, I bought mm -hmm. it at three sixty, mm -hmm. and um, I know it hasn't been performing as well. But at least I'm in the green. So I've been debating about possibly selling it at the current valuation that it is now, and maybe replacing it with Pepsi. I just wanted your thoughts on the valuation for Costco versus Pepsi. All right, looking at Costco versus Pepsi two. Similar companies in a lot of ways, forward-looking consumer companies. One is a brand, others 
sells a lot of different brands. And frankly, Costco had huge tailwinds with the pandemic. A lot of their competitors were shut down, put out of business because of the fact that uh, you know, small shops were unable to, to operate. Uh, and so a lot of things moved online and Costco has uh, one of the bigger e-commerce platforms uh, outside of Amazon in the world. And so they certainly benefited in a big, big way. And you can see that with their earnings, nine, $8.20 in earnings in 2019, $9.85 last year, expected to be $10.60 this year. And so with the economy reopening, more people spending on experiences, traveling, less on goods. I think Costco is going to see some headwinds as opposed to tailwinds uh, in the, call it medium term. And on valuation, I do think the fair value is closer to $300 as opposed to close to $400 today at $383 and change. So uh, I do think Costco is modestly overvalued. Now, Pepsi, that was one where a lot of their products were not purchased because of COVID. A lot of restaurants shut down, more people uh, eating at home, less consumption of their types of products in some ways, but also snacks were, were increased. So it was kind of a mixed bag for Pepsi. From a valuation standpoint, let me pull uh, up our figures here. It does look also modestly overvalued. The chart is okay. Uh, a little bit better than Costco. And I think it's a little closer to fair value. Our fair value is closer to 135. Now it's at 147. So I would say it's about 10% overvalued where Costco is something like 25% overvalued. So I, I, I would, from a relative perspective, I do like Pepsi better uh, in the market right now. Now both are very good companies. Uh, it depends on what you want. I think Costco has better longer term prospects, uh, but in the medium term, I, I would put my money on Pepsi over Costco. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk, and I can fit in one more question before our first big break. Maybe I can try, and I have to finish the answer in two parts. This one came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hi, this is Ryan. I'm relatively new to investing, and I was hoping to get your opinion on Global Lithium ETF, LIT. I'm relatively new to investing. I have less than 2000 in the markets. I was just wanting to get your opinion on if I should buy more or just hold on to what I have. Thank you very much, and I'll be listening for your answer. All right, this is Global X Lithium and Battery Tech ETF, LIT. And this is a company that, or an ETF, excuse me, that owns a wide swath of, of businesses, companies that operate in the EV space for the most part. And this is not a name that I would be excited about. And I think the market, the, the area is too overvalued. Uh, and there's too much, the, the, the valuations here are very egregious. Um, and I actually like the raw materials. And actually, lithium is, to me, the least important one in, in the at least abundant, or sorry, the most abundant, and so the least attractive from an investment standpoint. So uh, I am not a fan of this uh, ETF, especially right now. If you're listening to Invest Talk, we're taking your calls live at 888 chart Look at the calendar. 
summer is days away. Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. And the InvestTalk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is centered on the story that the National Retail Federation expects the fastest retail growth since 1984, and that's expected to be in a, between a 10.5% and a 13.5% increase above last year's number of $3.76 trillion. Sorry, that was 2018. 2020 was $4.02 trillion. So the expected now is to be 4.4 to 4.56, and that's up from the forecast earlier in the year of between 65 and 8.2%. So a large bump in the expectations by about 4% uh, on, on each, uh, I guess, spread of their estimate. And they expect full year GDP growth up to about 7%. That's up from 45 to 5% earlier this year back in February. So clearly the stimulus package that was passed soon after Biden took office, as well as uh, the reopening and, and increased retail sales, even though it's stalled in April, it's still up 10% uh, in March, uh, year, uh, month over month. So that's a big increase, uh, according to the Commerce Department. And this is a perfect example. Like I've said before, we are in a fiscally dominated economy. And this is not the first and last when it comes to stimulus from government. This is likely to be a continuous effort. Because once again, for a decade plus, the Fed has lowered rates, they've printed money, bought assets, and it has not created inflation. In fact, if you look at the mechanism of QE, it actually is non-inflationary. Then for a decade plus, it hasn't created much inflation. In fact, it's disinflationary. Certainly technology is disinflationary. But what's also disinflationary is when debt in the entire economy grows and then you take away stimulus, well, what happens? There's just more debt for, gov- for, for individuals and corporations to support. And thus, you have a deflationary impulse. And then the government or the Fed has to come in and create more liquidity and try to, in the short term, bring inflation up. But longer term, QE and increasing the debt in the economy is actually deflationary. On top of that, when money is so cheap and it's so easy to borrow money, when it's the hurdle rate for investment is so low because interest rates are so low, new capacity for goods and services come on very easily. And so that is deflationary as well because you constantly have new supply of goods and services where demand crops up. And so with all the work that they've been doing for a decade plus to create inflation, and really you can go back to the early uh, and into the 80s when every recession was met with lower interest rates, more borrowing, and you see we're at the end of that cycle. And now when it comes to stimulating the economy, it has to be fiscal. And fiscal creates a different dynamic in the economy. And you see that with the inflation numbers and you see that with the retail sales numbers. And that's why retail sales are so strong because the government is 
putting money in the hands of people that have a very high marginal propensity to spend. And that's not the last of this when it comes to infrastructure spending that's going to do the exact same thing as well. And so this is the new environment you have to get used to. I said this before, we're at the end of a long-term debt cycle, we have fiscal-dominated economy, as well as the fourth turning. We're in the fourth period, the crisis period, where things are changing. You see that with the realignment of political parties and what's happening in our economy. With the rise of the millennials, the baby boomers are sunsetting, and it's a new, it's a new world post-COVID, and this is something you're going to have to get used to, and you have to invest accordingly. Now, this is Invest Talk, and I appreciate your decision to tune in. And I hope you've told your friends and family about our free podcast. But for now, let's grab a caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, uh, this is David from Montana. I'm calling to get your input on Penn National Gaming, symbol P-E-N-N, and uh, just your overall thoughts on the sports gambling market. Thank you. Well, I like the sports gambling market. It, it is fairly hot right now, and a lot of the uh, companies in the space are, are trading at high valuations. Now, what's interesting about Penn, although there is an aspect there when it comes to sports gambling, I actually like the barstool sports end, where they're able to, I think in the next couple of years, buy the entire company. Uh, Dave Portnoy, uh, what was it, Davies Day Trader, he's a marketing genius in the way that marketing geniuses are these days. Big, loud, saying bold, crazy things, and that's how you get attention kind of always, but even more so in today's world. And so I like Penn. I actually have it on my, my, my buy list that I would like to own it. It just is not acting well technically, uh, and it's not there yet from evaluation perspective as well. So I'm actually looking for this sub 60, now it's at 81.77, around 60, that's a level where I go, okay, based on the growth, based on the quality of Barstool and their other uh, gaming properties and, and their whole endeavor, that's a fairly, fairly good value. So keep on your watch list, around 60, that's where you wanna pick it up. Now we're gonna take a break and return to answer your questions at 888-99-CHART. Of all the finance and investing podcasts and all the downloads in all the world, you've discovered Invest Talk. At this time, do you think it would be better to keep it in this bond or move it to cash? Looks like the sector is down today. So just thinking about, you know, potentially buying the dip. And since Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to answering your questions with their unique blend of expert insight and unbiased guidance, you've got to ask yourself one question. Why haven't you called Invest Talk? Hey, it's James from Australia. I'm loving the podcast. You know you listen. You know you should call. You know you want to call. Um, so I was wondering the best options for long-term growth. You'll get a reliable answer and the same positive feeling that tens of thousands of Invest Talk callers have already experienced. Thank you so much. I love the show. Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? 
Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. When you tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads, let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. For example, browse by episode title for potential questions and answers on 401ks, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate investing, commentary on growth stocks, listener stock picks, and more. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com. Hi, guys. This is Eric calling from Los Angeles. I had a question about an over-the-counter stock. It's called NGUGF, and it's um, New Guinea Gold Corp. And my question is, it, it gets manipulated quite a bit. I have 
a couple of hundred thousand shares of the stock, and we bought it on just a um, lark. Anyway, occasionally it gets a volume of like 1,500 shares, which at the fractions of the pennies that it is, somebody's buying it at, you know, $4 worth of the stock, you know, with a fee of $7, and suddenly the stock goes up 100%, and then suddenly it gets sold 40,000 shares, and it goes down 50%. I was just wondering, how does that work with the manipulation like who would who is buying 1500 shares of a stock that's fractions of a penny so anyway i was just wondering what do you think is going on and what this person who's doing it might be trying to do i hope you'll be able to answer the question thanks bye well you're looking at a very 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 small company market cap of 1.5 million it's trading basically at zero point zero zero four four cents it's an over-the-counter stock very low volume in relation to the overall shares outstanding as well as uh, on a daily basis um, you know a couple hundred thousand shares but once again that's representing tens of dollars <laughs> um, uh, even 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 then so it's really not I wouldn't say manipulation how these markets for these OTC penny stocks and you I don't even know call us a penny stock because it's not even trading for one penny uh, I think you are messing in the wrong area uh, just it, it's interesting because it's gold but it's in Papua New Guinea which I don't know if you know this but it's uh, it's a little bit north of Australia and they don't make money very little revenue 1.9 million trailing 12 months and you're just trying to play a casino game here this isn't investing so I would not worry about any short-term manipulation. People want to buy 1,500 shares. People buy 1,500 shares of a lot of things. Uh, I don't call that market manipulation. It's just a thinly traded company, just like most OTC over-the-counter stocks. Now let's keep things moving as you can get the most out of this podcast. Now we go back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Canada on 888 This is Sid from Ontario, Canada. I would like to take some position in the sticker symbol CLF, Charlie, Lion, France. I just want to know your opinion. What's a good buying point? If you can give me some feedback, I will listen to your inputs on the next podcast. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is CLF. This is Cleveland Cliffs. This is a company that came out of bankruptcy uh, recently, if I remember correctly, and they're an independent iron ore mining company here in the U.S., and they have facilities in Michigan and Minnesota, and they operate a hot iron facility in the Great Lakes region and some development production plant in Toledo, Ohio. So definitely a domestic company. This is a name that actually is on the radar of the the Reddit crowd, from what I'm hearing, and it has it did have a very, very good day yesterday. It's in the commodity space. I like that. But clearly, longer term, they have some profitability issues if they recently came out of bankruptcy. And that's my main issue here is they're just historically not, uh, haven't been a very profitable name. And they even coming out of bankruptcy, they still have some pretty good uh, debt on their balance sheet, churning enterprise value to EBIT of 23, which is expensive for a uh, 
a commodity name, both in aggregate for the industry as a whole, but for this company as well in its history. So technically it looks strong, can't argue there, uh, but definitely not my favorite in the commodity space. But if you want to ride the momentum, this is more of a momentum stock, and you think uh, it's going to continue to get uh, curry favor with the Reddit crowd, you can absolutely see a big surge. And I can pull up the short interest, 2.2 days. I'm looking at the, okay, so about 50 million shares. About 10% of the float is sold short, so maybe that's why the Reddit crowd is targeting this. Uh, so if you want to ride that wave, not a bad place to be. Now let's make it three invest talk calls in a row. The next question concerns fractional shares. Hi, this is Vitaly calling from Atlanta. I had a question about selling shares. When selling shares, it looks like there, I have some fractional shares that will automatically liquidate on settlement date. What is, exactly does that mean? I mean, is that like a fraction of a, of a share that I lose or will I be paid out those fractions later on? Because it looks like I was reinvesting, like the dividends would reinvest and rebuy this, the shares of the stock. So I have fractional shares left. And I'm just curious what happens to them. Do I get paid out in a few days or do I just lose it or just want to, I guess, figure out what, what happens. If you can provide that information, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Personally, we don't deal with this because we're buying whole shares. We don't do the dividend reinvestment. We take it as cash. But in today's market, there are a lot of brokers that you're allowed to execute in fractional shares and hold fractional shares. Uh, if they're saying that those are going to go away, they're going to give you some money for it. Uh, the, what price that you, you get depends on your broker and probably their their systems and, and how they price uh, price those shares. Uh, so you're going to get paid for it. There no, no one's going to take your shares. You probably have to talk to your broker on how those are going to be priced. That was the average price for the, that day that they're redeemed, the end uh, closing price. How does that work? So I would talk to your broker, but you definitely will get paid. They're not just going to take it away from you. Thanks for the call. That's a great, great question, especially in today's world with fractional shares. Now, 2021 is moving fast, and I'm excited for summer. I know that. It's getting nice and warm here down in uh, Laguna Beach, California. It's where I live, and um, I'm, I'm excited. And it's also a time for transition. I've talked about this, that, hey, we're coming out of COVID. That also going is going to change the way government and policymakers are going to address the economy and the Fed is likely to taper. The market is in transition, both on a near-term basis as well as a long-term. Talked about the shift from growth to value to a higher inflationary environment, a weaker dollar, et cetera. And that creates a transition period over the longer term. But now we're in a transition period going to the back half of the year as well. So there's different timeframes that you have to look at your investment decision-making process short, medium, long. And if you're having trouble figuring that out, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same mindset, independent thinking and shared success. We provide the same unbiased guidance, both on and off air. And we practice parallel investing. Since we invest right alongside our clients. When we buy something in a particular strategy, we have our money in there as well, which is another account. Everyone gets the same price. You want to buy 3% of Apple, we buy 3% of Apple throughout the day. 
we allocate that to each account in the particular strategy or just one of them and we get the same price on the buy side as well as the sell side. So we're investing right alongside at the same percentage of our accounts as our clients. So that's what we do at KPP Financial and that's why how we practice parallel investing. So if you want to touch base with us, you can. You can set up a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. And you can send us a message through investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We want to help in any way we can. Now, next up, we have a listener question from a listener in Massachusetts. That's next in one minute here on Invest Talk. There is good news for loyal Invest Talk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk Call Center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So, in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Fernando giving you a call from Massachusetts. I had a question for you about stock LVS, Las Vegas Sands. Had bought this thing back in the beginning of the year. Uh, had a nice run-up through basically March. And then it started to come down a bit, which is unexpected because I thought it was a whole reopening that, that maybe that would have lasted a little bit longer. But it's basically down to about 55 or 56 now. I bought it at 58. Just wondering if I should uh, hold on to it a little bit longer or if it's time to get rid of it. Thank you so much. Love the show. Take care. All right, this is Las Vegas Sands. And most of... Most people think of Las Vegas Sands as the Venetian, the Palazzo, uh, but most of their revenue actually comes from Macau. And it owns Venetian Macau, Sands Macau, and Four Seasons Macau, Parisian in Macau. So most of its revenue comes from there. And they're opening also some gaming facilities in Singapore. And it looks like it's selling its Vegas assets, is it? Yeah. It will generate all of its EBITDA from Asia. So this is actually now a completely Asian play. And its casino operations generate 80% of sales. So this is kind of a play on the economic growth of Southeast Asia. And China is actually in, uh, it's, it's not growing as fast as it was, say, a year ago. It's slowing. You think that's crazy. You know, we're increasing our growth. Well, they didn't do quite as much stimulus as we did. And they recovered fairly quickly from the pandemic when it comes to their economy. So that's a big factor as well. So it's making lower highs and lower lows. And I think longer term, I'm okay with it. But it's not showing the progress on the earnings side that I would like to see. Expect to only make $0.22 cents share this year, two forty-two next year. They made $3.26 in 2019, pre-pandemic. 
So they're not getting back to that level as well. Revenue is still down 16% year over year and the technicals look fairly poor. So in the near term, short to medium term, I'm not really excited about this name, but this is a longer term play. All right, if you're bullish on the economic growth and prosperity of the Southeast Asian market, this is a place you want to be because those people are going to look to travel to places like Macau and they will have more money and gamble more. So this is a question is, is a short-term play or a long-term play? Don't love a short-term, long-term, I kind of like it. Next, now let's, uh, let's touch quickly on the new SEC chairman, Gary Ginsler, and his number one focus right now is this payment for order flow. And this is very, very important because only about 53% of all trading in the month of January were done on exchanges. The rest, 47%, were done in these dark pools run by companies like Citadel and Virtu. And Virtu is actually a public company. And based on his recent comments that they were going to change the benchmark for how, what standard the dark pools were held to. When they said that, or when he said that, there's, the stock fell 7.7%. So clearly, the market is worried about the way that the changes from the SEC are going to affect those type of companies like Virtu. And what type of profits these dark pools are going to be able to extract from the trading market. For example, these dark pools can execute on half a cent orders. The major exchanges cannot. The public exchanges have to disclose their bid and offers. And then you can see for every stock, all the bids and offers throughout every day. You can't do that with the dark pools. They don't reveal their pre-trading prices, only the prices that are actually traded at. So there's no disclosure of those bids and offers. So it's very hard for the regulators to see if the best execution was actually created in relation to the bids and offers within the dark pool. They're just using a benchmark of what public exchanges are actually executing at. Now, why is this important? Because this is the exact reason why you trade stocks commission-free nowadays. And Democrats, who have a majority in Congress, have already held hearings looking at what's happening with GameStop and AMC as casino-like mentality for small investors and progressives are pointing the blame at the brokerage firms and these wholesalers creating a speculative environment because they love this they love that people are in there trading because every trade not every trade but 47 percent of the trades they make some money on it because they're selling it in the dark pools and they're making a small spread but the more you do that's all about volume right the more trading the better for them and so how this comes out when it comes to this rule change could have a big, big impact on whether stock trading remains free. And Genzer says that payment for order flow raises questions about whether investors are getting best execution. And he notes that in the UK, Canada, and Australia, it is banned. So something to continue to watch out for. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, 
Let's help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And we're going into our final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right this second. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Thanks for all you do. I wanted to ask you about your thoughts on Rush A stock. That's for uh, Rush Enterprises, uh, which owns Rush Truck Centers, sells and service uh, heavy-duty trucks. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then a second question, I also wanted to know what you think of employee stock purchase programs, where your company allows you to purchase at a discount, and then the stock's yours. I've had a relatively short-term strategy where I sell almost immediately, but a lot of the company employees always say, oh, you got to hang on to it. So wondering your thoughts on that. I've historically done very good, 30 40% typically in six months. So, all right, thanks. So enjoy the show. Thank you. Bye. Well, a lot on the purchase program has to do with how much discount and what percentage of your overall investable assets it is. I typically say, yes, you want to take advantage of that discount because typically a year from now, the stock's going to be at least higher uh, than where you purchased it. Uh, the discount can be uh, 15% upwards of maybe 40 or 50% sometimes, depends on the company. But you want to be, once you get the long-term hold and you get that long-term capital gains, then you want to be reducing those positions that are long-term and making sure that it's not a huge percentage of your overall portfolio, no more than 10% of your overall investable assets, okay? So make sure if you take advantage of it, that you limit it, okay? Now, it sounds like maybe you are, uh, you work for Rush Enterprises, Rush A, this is a relatively small company, $2.5 billion market cap, and they have standalone commercial truck, they're a standalone commercial truck dealer with 120 locations, and certainly their products are in high demand. With the economy reopening, a lot of building, especially in the real estate sector, and they're killing it right now. If you look at their Profits up 93% year over year to an all-time high. Expect the next year to be $3.64, up from $3.26 this year and $2.04 last year. So doing very, very well. Long-term, this is a company that has pretty good profitability. So I like that. The only issue here is technically it's starting to break down. It tested a 10-day moving average back in February, had a nice bounce off of it, but now we've broken it just in the past few trading days. And that worries me a bit. These are small signs that the economy is starting to cool or the market's starting to price in a cooling economy in the back half, especially if you look at a stimulus package that's gone from $4 trillion down to less than a trillion in the proposal. So that's a big worry there. And so technically, I think this is weakening. I wouldn't be a big buyer of it right now. But it is a pretty good company. Long-term profitability, return equity in the low to mid-teens on average, which is pretty good. Good, solid, positive free cash flow and earnings. So this is a good company. 
it's not exciting. It's not the best company I've ever seen, but it's solid. Just started to pay a dividend over the past few years and starting to buy back stock as well. So they're operating in the best interest of their shareholders. And I like that. Uh, but technically near term, I'm not a fan of it. So waiting on dips, uh, probably close to the 35 level would be a more interesting place. Right now it's sitting at 46. Now we've got time to fit in one more caller question on the podcast. It came in earlier from a listener in Hayward. Let's play that right now. Hello. I was just wondering if you could tell me your ideas about the GAN stock. It's G-A-N. They're in the gaming industry. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. G-A-N. UK-based company that provides enterprise software as a service solutions for iGaming and sports betting products. Got it. Okay. So it's a SaaS software for the the iGaming. iGaming. Interesting. Hmm. They'll make money. Revenue growth solid. Look at the technicals here. I don't love the technicals. Yeah, I'm not excited about this, to be honest with you. I have to dig into this deeper. These are names that you really have to understand. Kind of the long-term addressable market. Who are the competitors? But based on what I'm seeing right now in a quick view, not a fan of it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com, where you can browse by topic, Whatever is on your mind, finance related, I almost guarantee we have something on the topic in our library, and you can search over there at investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.